Fuso has been abandoned by by everyone and sundry. <laughs> yep, that's recording good. I can drag that out. And, and I promise to my draw his uh his boom arm gave out on him as well. Yep, it was a tragedy. It was a Even it couldn't lend him a hand tonight. They <laughs> put my microphone back. Hey folks and welcome to the 89th episode of the Player 2 Pixelcast. My name is Matt Houston. I'll be hosting the show this evening. Joining me on this two-person affair tonight, because everyone's jumped out on us at the last second, is a regular voice and lifetime member of Board Games Anonymous, Stephen Del Prado. How are you? I'm quite good. Um, the first step uh, is recognising you have a problem, but I do not recognise said problem. So, so, you, uh, so you're, not a, you're not problematic? I'm it's not- no, it's I'm not, not an addiction. No, I can quit any time I want. <laughs> what if we were to ask your wife about that? <laughs> um, she is not available for comment. Right no, now. no comment. Um, right at this time, got I'll, it. Yeah. I'll see if she can get back to you at a future undetermined <laughs> date. Uh, so tonight it's just going to be Stephen and I chatting, and we're going to keep things simple. Uh, it's a little over halfway through the year, and we thought. We would stop and take stock on what has been happening, what games have excited us, uh, how many delays into 2023 there have been, and if we've noticed any, you know, kind of trends that have kind of shown up in this first half of the year, which is, is you know, there's been some odd things happen this year. But before then, we've been playing games and we should talk about them. Stephen, you've been shooting randomly charged arrows at odd-looking robots. Uh, yes, yeah, so there's just some more uh, Horizon Forbidden West. Um, obviously, they put out that uh, variable refresh rate um, patch, and I have a lovely 75-inch Samsung TV that handles variable refresh rate, so I was looking at that. Um, look, it's... I don't know what people are smoking when they try to say that these games look nice at 30 frames per second with 4K, but they don't. They look awful. <laughs> they chug, and it makes me disgusted. So I feel like these VRR rates um, at the 40 frames with some, you know, still pretty decent eye candy, uh, a sort of a halfway point, but still going down to them from 60 frames, I find very noticeable. I'm kind of, and I was sort of on this bandwagon last generation, but I feel like I'm even more so there at the moment. I think the leap in graphical fidelity to my eye isn't such to warrant uh, dropping back to 30 frames per second for the extra fidelity uh i'm definitely in camp 60 frames per second at this point so while that variable refresh rate does look nice um and my eyes did eventually adjust to that uh i think i'm probably going to be sticking to those performance modes for performance modes, most yeah. games I've, i don't think i found one yet where i really thought that the drop in frame rate was worth the trade-off uh, the game itself, it's fine. We're obviously um, well after that initial glow. And I have to say, I, I, I felt this way a little bit in the first game. but I And I know I'm probably going to get eviscerated for this, but I really don't think the combat in Horizon is very good. I think it's extremely rote, and I think it's, it's really just a simple case of see that enemy switch to X weapon. Yeah. Because it feels like if you're doing anything else, you are just fumbling and going against best practice. Yeah. And it's it just doesn't excite me. The enemies 
yes, you can target weak points, and it's pretty easy to do, but mm. it's it's there's so much of it, and it's so repetitive that it sort of put me off a little bit. I, I find myself like seeing, you know, dinosaurs and just being like, mm, I'd rather just avoid keep them. on with my mission. Yeah, yeah. Or it's like, God damn it, I've got to go and scavenge parts from these jerks. Um, again, the power curve could shift that a little bit. I'm still only, you know, maybe half a dozen hours or so in. Yeah. But I don't think it's an issue that I don't feel powerful. I think it's just I don't particularly enjoy the combat. Maybe it's just a me thing. I don't know. I, I don't know. I'm I'm a fair chunk in, I guess. I'm probably two-thirds through the game. Um, mm-hmm. I've opened up most of the map, I would suggest, but I've just fallen off now and... I can't see me going back. It might be the sort of thing I, I pick up when I'm, you know, if I'm crook or I've got, you know, sick leave or something and I, I've got yeah. just time to kill. It might be that sort of thing, but I can't. It, it didn't. I wanted to see the end of the first game and so far there's nothing in this one that is really pushing me towards the end. I, I don't have that story hook that I had in the first game. I quite liked the concept that, you know, Earth was rebooted essentially and these robots were there to, to kind of rebuild Earth in some sort of way and things went wrong. That's a cool idea. It's kind of like a reverse Terminator sort of situation. But this this story just doesn't feel like it has the weight and it doesn't, doesn't drag me through to the end. And when the game is significantly larger than the first game, which wasn't a small game to begin with, no. It, it, it's it's harder harder to get through to the end. So uh, yeah, I'm just I'm I'm a bit in the same boat. I think the combat gets in the way of itself a fair bit too, um, because the clunky you know radial menus and things like that. That yeah, I, I I know it's hard to implement all these multiple systems on a controller. I feel there's possibly a better way to do that than they have here. Um, I I do end up using the wrong arrow type more often than I would like yeah. to admit. <laughs> Um, yeah, I, again, I, I feel like it probably falls into the common bugbear I have of most games these days are too long, mm. uh, and they get too long by doing things that are slightly uninteresting to me. Yeah, it, 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 it feels like of all the PlayStation exclusives that we've had, and they've, they've been a, you know a consistently high quality, even more so than Days Gone, and this and Days Gone copped it a bit. It feels like it's got Ubisoft syndrome. Um, like a, a little bit. I mean, I know they're going for grandeur and they and they're going for scope, uh, but I, I don't know. I, I guess, like you said, it's it's bleeding to that Ubisoft territory. We're all, I think we're all a little bit open world weary. Mm. I know Ghost of Tsushima was a little bit like that for me towards the end, and that was comparatively a shorter game in that genre. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And look, I like an Ubisoft game. Like I, I really, I'm playing Far Cry Six again right now. I, I enjoy that sort of thing. Uh, but I think you know when it's done well, it's it's a natural thing to go off and you know as you're going to missions and you find bits and pieces and you get distracted and and when it's like that, it's a lot better. But this, it feels very much like almost like an MMO in that, you know, you need to go here, collect this, come back to here, go back to here. You know, there's a lot of back and forward. The fast travel system isn't the best. Um, so that adds a lot of weariness to things. And, you know, you know, there's roadblocks and they're narratively, there's reasons for them to be there, but they're just roadblocks to in, 
you know, efficient use of time, I guess, and, and it drags things out unnaturally. So it's like the bridges being shut in old Grand Theft Auto games. Yeah, yeah, that's it. You know, it's it's just there to kind of gate you into a way of doing things, and yeah, and, the, the you pacing. Know, it's mm. just, and I think that's what though that open world can do to a game is it can really yeah. muddle the pacing because obviously the developers don't get to exert as much pressure on you as you know a corridor shooter or something that's a little bit more of that you know wide linear like we maybe had with obviously a lot of the work of Naughty Dog but even yeah. more so um, recently things like God of War twenty eighteen and presumably the upcoming sequel to that is um, these sort of narrower spaces where there are chunks of the game where they do just get to funnel mm. you and they get to play with pacing. And Horizon's design, I guess, doesn't allow for that as no, much. No. no, it really doesn't. And, you know, I'm, and that's not to say it's a bad game at all. I've enjoyed my time with it. I just feel like I've come to the end of it. Like, And there's some really cool moments in the game that are, you know, that have kind of thrown back to a human history and in interesting ways. And I, I always dig that sort of kind of interesting way of looking at, at the past of this world. It, it, it mm-hmm. seems really cool. There's, there's one whole society that's built up around a war memorial and what's on display at that war memorial. And, um, and that's kind of created this kind of almost religion. And, and it's, it's very cool way of thinking of what's left behind and, and what it means to whoever comes next sort of thing. So uh, I, I love that sort of stuff. And I think the world building's very good. There just isn't a strong enough story and there's too much game to make it as good as the first one. Yeah. And yeah, it's, I, I think I'm in the same boat. Like it's probably something I'll chip away at for a little while and, maybe eventually fall off completely or it could be a situation where if I somehow miraculously get to having a bunch of free time off that doesn't involve looking after children, <laughs> then um, I can sink some decent hours into it and maybe yeah. uh, get through it. Awesome. All right, then. Well, I've been playing as Dusk Falls. Now, my review's already on the site and it's an ex- it's actually the first Xbox Game Studios exclusive for the year. We'll get to that later in the year, uh, later in the podcast, sorry. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, uh, it's on Game Pass now, it's on PC and Xbox, and it is a an adventure game, kind of in the ta- telltale model, uh, more along the lines of a choose-your-own-adventure than even most of the Telltale games. So it's very much a narrative experience that you dive into and you have control over where the story goes based on your choices and some very simple uh, mini-games. Um, that said, like, it is very basic premise. It's about six hours long. I thoroughly enjoyed every second of it. I thought it was uh, a really cool story, uh, something we haven't seen so much. Generally, these sort of games are either based on a, a, fa- a fantasy sort of setting or a supernatural setting. We've had The Walking Dead, we've had, you know, Batman or even, even things like Life is Strange. There's these supernatural elements to it. This is a pure crime story. This is closer to a Tarantino movie than, than anything else. And, um, it's about a family that, uh, has a small car accident. They're on the way to moving. Uh, across the country, uh, they have a small car accident. They need to get their car fixed, so they pull into a motel on Route 66, which happens to be chosen as a getaway point for a bunch of people that have just robbed a sheriff. Um, and that's the start of the story. And, and you kind of you play the a couple of characters. You play one of the 
criminals and you play the dad of the family. And uh, I'm trying I'm trying to avoid spoilers here, but it'll be very, very different. Like for everyone that plays this, this is very much choose your own adventure uh, because there are some really significant points that diverge greatly in the story and you can see it at the end of each chapter. So there's six chapters. At the end of each chapter, they give you a little flow chart of your choices and you can see how many different trees and routes you could have gone down and it is a significant amount of different ways things could go so it it makes replaying uh very interesting i guess um but the story is really strong the voice acting is quite good we hear adam jensen from uh deus ex is back except he's a middle-aged uh father who's slightly overweight so it kind of doesn't match up the voice (laughs) yeah he's rocking the dad bod how many of the choices do you feel like they're going to be um, important? Like, I know um, things like we saw a similar sort of web like that in uh, Detroit Beyond Human, mm. where um, at the end of each chapter it would show you all of these branching yeah. opportunities that you missed. Um, from, I guess, obviously, until you've gone through again, you don't necessarily know how many of those are important, yeah. but it seemed like many of them would be significant. Yes, it, it felt like, and, and also the game alerts you. So a lot of the choices, there's there's a couple of different ways they do it. So there's a couple of choices which are time-based. And uh, so you've kind of got to think on the fly. Um, and sometimes even then, if you wait just that second longer, an extra choice will come up because it's like the characters had time to think oh, about it. So is it like a secret kind of... Well, it's not. It, you just kind of stumble upon it. And, you know, you'd be looking at the choice and all of a sudden another option will come up because you've had that bit of extra time to think about it. Yeah. Um, but then there are key branching moments which the game lets you know. They say, be very careful, and they don't time those choices. Mm-hmm. Um, this is a key moment here, and you have to uh, choose carefully, I guess. Um, along with, you know, there's quick time events that... They're not, you don't fail the event, but the story will change if you don't succeed at the event. You know what I mean? So, uh, okay. for, for example, uh, one I came across, which I redid just to see for the review, was you're running away from the police. And if you miss the time button to jump over the log, you trip and they catch you. But if you, f- you succeed, you get away and the story goes in a different path, you know? So, um, there's some significant things there that, that really mix it up. So the, they've done a really good job of that kind of choose your own adventure style of thing better than I think I've ever seen uh, in a video game. It's, it's, it's a very cool story. The stop motion graphic style is it, it left me a little bit cold though, if, if, if I'm honest. Um, it's, it's kind of like that, you know, uh, motion comic, I guess is probably the best way to oh, yeah. describe it. You know, there's some animated bits, um, but a lot and of it's kind of just, animation. yeah, it's kind of stills and, 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 and things like that. And I think it was a stylistic choice, but I think in some instances it loses impact because you never see a character talk. And when a, oh. when a game is so dialogue heavy with, with some great performances from the voice actors, um, it, it kind of it misses a beat, I think, maybe. Um, it deals yeah, with it some really heavy themes, like these game, the good versions of these games do, like uh, PTSD is a, is a big theme in this game. Um, and, you know, escaping 
uh, I guess poverty uh, is another one that, that that they look at. You know, as breaking the cycle sort of situation there, and they they look at those sort of themes, themes that I haven't seen very often in video games. Um, really, PTSD. It's been explored very little. I think maybe Hellblade a little bit and uh, uh, Spec Ops the line, but um, this this kind of looks at it at a more civilian kind of level out, outside yeah. of the the situations of war or things like that. So it, it, it's it's quite interesting how they handle that. And all I think it's it's a really good example of this sort of game. That's not usually my thing. I've, I've you know I've dabbled with. Walking Dead, and I haven't, I still haven't played Life is Strange yet. I keep meaning to. Um, but I really enjoyed myself. It was six hours. I was super happy with how my story played out. It felt like I was in control the entire time. It felt like an appropriate ending for what I chose. Um, I don't know that I want to play it again because I don't know that I want to ruin that feeling of, you know, I kind of, that was my story. I experienced my story, and I'm kind of happy to leave it at that. Um, yeah. But it, it was is a really good effort, and I it's a first game from this this studio. Um, I've forgotten the I've forgotten the name of them. I'm terrible. I should have looked that up beforehand. But uh, it's well worth checking out if you've got Game Pass. It's you know, like I said, a six hour game at most, um, and it feels perfectly. That's the perfect amount of time for it. Um, great writing. Just go with your gut. Don't try and be good. Don't try and be bad. Just go with your gut um, because uh, the game has a, quite a few little surprises based on what you choose to do. Um, so you won't necessarily get a good result if you do what you think is the good thing. Um, so, you know, it, it's, it's well worth checking out. Uh, not for everyone, I guess, but if you've got Game Pass, it's no harm to try, right? No, not at all. I think that's the benefit of Game Pass is you can have a go at, you know, these sort of games that you wouldn't necessarily look at and say, well, I'll, yeah, I'll splash out on that, but for something like that. And it's probably, you know, good for them as well because we all know what the current market is like for games that for some reason go a respectable length of time. Yes. <laughs> but, you know, and this sort of game doesn't need to be long. Like if this was 10 or 12 hours long, it would be too long. It, it would have dragged yeah. on. This feels like a, a you know a good mini series on HBO or something. You know, you, you get two or three episode yeah, show yeah. that that yeah, well worth checking out. out in, over the course of a week, or, you know, a few yeah. nights a week, and you're done, and you had a decent experience. Mm. So I, I recommend checking it out, and you can read read my uh, full review on player2.net.au. Uh, but at the moment, we're going to take a break. We're going to get a drink. Uh, Tim's going to find us some music to slap in there while we're off getting a beverage. And uh, we'll be back to talk the kind of odd year that 2022 has been so far.
2022, it has been an odd year, I must say. We've had delays, we've had weird trends, we've had cryptocurrencies, we've had NFTs, and we've had some giant big old flops just to round things out. It has been a very odd start to the year. So we thought we'd have a look back at the good, the bad, and the ugly of 2022 so far, and maybe have a little sneak peek at what's coming up that we're, we're both interested in. But Stephen, I, I, well, I've got to start with you because you're the only one kind enough to turn up tonight. Uh, <laughs> how, how do you feel about 2022 this year as a year for gaming? I mean, 2021 was pretty darn good from from my point of view. 2022 seems to be a bit of a letdown. I, uh, I guess, to put it mildly, I've barely played anything this year and I've feel like I haven't really missed out on much. Yeah, it's it's been very odd, hasn't it? There's been like kind of this promise of big games um, and they've kind of either faded off into the back half of the year or, or into 2023 um, or the games that have arrived haven't set the world on fire or, or you know, like we talked about Horizon before. Um, there's kind of... I- for my money, maybe Elden Ring is the only thing yeah. that I think has really exploded and everything else is done respectably to nothing. Yes, yeah. <laughs> yes. And, and it's been Elden Ring's year, I guess, so far. And and even someone like me, who's not a Souls player, I, I enjoyed my time with Elden Ring. I, I reached the end of my time with Elden Ring, but I was happy with what I'd what I'd done. I'd gotten a lot further than any other Souls game with Elden Ring, so um, I, I could see the appeal. I've always seen the appeal of a Souls game, but this is the first time I think From have given players like myself a chance to get into the game, uh, mm. and and I think that did it in a way that is very From without losing any of the. I guess, uh, you know, prestige or, or, or bullshit that's built up around the Souls <laughs> games. They managed to keep all that and and, and and make it more accessible. Yeah, the, the challenge is still there for those who want to seek it. Yes, absolutely. And, and giving players a way to take a breath uh, if they are finding it frustrating, I think, was a masterstroke. That open world is uh, is a really good idea, which is... Kind of the opposite of what we we thought of with uh, with Horizon <laughs> talking about before, you know, the open world's there to to make life easier and 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 more interesting, not just plot time. Yeah, I guess it'd be interesting to compare the scale of the two as well, because I mm. feel like Elden Ring's open world, yes, is vast, but I think it's a little bit like Breath of the Wild in that. The points of interest grab your eye, so a lot of it feels like stuff that you can comfortably ignore. Yeah, yeah, it's it's only the completionists that'll be poking in every nook and cranny, and yeah. I'm sure there are plenty of those out there. Oh, absolutely. Uh, for me, I, I think it's worth mentioning, mentioning Dying Light Two. I thought I, I really enjoyed that game, and I think they took what was a solid foundation with the first game, and really a, a solid foundation that goes back to Dead Island. Um, and, it, and it's grown with each game, and and this was this kind of nailed it for me. Even to the point now that my son uh, is playing it, and he's really enjoying it. And he's usually not one for this sort of experience. He he, he plays Fortnite and and that sort of yeah. thing. But but Dying Lights grabbed him. The, the parkour elements of re- he really enjoys, and the melee combat, and 
And the story is, is good enough. Like, it's a zombie game. Like, how good does the story have to be? You know, it, it, it's good. There's good performances from the actors. Rosario Dawson's in it, which is, you know, always a bonus. Yeah. <laughs> and I thought they, I thought after, you know, they had a rough run to launch. Um, yeah. I, it was really good to see that come out in a, in such a good way. And, and it did really good numbers. Like, it was killing it on Steam. It, it just absolutely annihilated on PC, uh, sales wise. So, um, it, it would be, it wouldn't be surprising to see it in the top 10 selling games of the year uh, at the end of the year because it, it did really well. It's funny because it felt like it dropped out of the conversation really quickly as well too, though. Yeah, but it was it's, it's still in the top 20 most played games in Steam at, the, at this point in time. So yeah, it's, exactly. it's like the first game. It's got a really Long strong community and they yeah. just keep adding things to it at no cost. There's no DLC for it yet, uh, like no paid DLC. They just... To add new things to it, new weapons, new kind of missions. I'm sure there'll be a point where they do a DLC drop that costs money, but if it's like the first game, that's fine because that was really good. So, yeah, yeah uh, I mean, I, I'm, I'm pretty happy that how that turned out. I really like to see a developer that, that's gone through hell uh, to get a game out and it comes out in such a good way because too often you, you see a game that was in a similar situation and it just it comes out and it's just a wet fart because yeah. all the <laughs> development problems yeah, just got to the game in the end. Like the last Homefront game, that was that was an example of that where it just went through hell and it came out and yeah, it felt like it went through hell during development. So yeah. I, I really liked that about Dying Light uh, 2. Um, apart from that, though, I'm struggling to think of a game that's really... I spoke about As Dust Falls and, and that was fun, but it's not going to be a game I sort of talk about at the end of the year when we're talking game of the year. Um, it's been very quiet. Very quiet. Was yeah. uh, Back for Blood wasn't this year, was it? No, that was last year, uh, late last say, year. I, I saw it going for $4 recently. I'm like, oh, yeah. my Lord. Mm. That's disappointing. It really is. Um and there's, there's, there seems to be a few of those sort of experiences where they've come out with promise and like we, we talked about Horizon. Um, I know a lot of people really like that though, so I'm not yeah. going to bag it out too much, but um, we haven't really had anything huge uh, in recent times at all. I mean, it, I feel like I'm kind of holding my breath for the back half of the year for games that I'm looking forward to. And, and even then... Uh, it's it's you Saints Row. Mind, I feel. <laughs> yeah, it's it's Saints Row, and I'm not sure what else. <laughs> God of War. God of War. Supposed to be. Yeah, and yeah. And, that, and that's about it. Like I feel like I don't know. Gotham Knights could be very cool. Don't get me wrong. Um, also, you know, you've got the usual suspects like uh, you know basketball, and, and I'm sure there'll be. You know, yeah, the an- the annual release, yeah, Call of Duty and all that sort of stuff out. will be coming. Um, Midnight Suns, I'm looking forward to. I was a bit disappointed that it isn't out yet. Uh, it was supposed to be out in April, but obviously delays. Um, yeah. That's you know, for Axis, uh, I, I will take anything for Axis make, and I will <laughs> love it dearly. So that's fine by me. But while we're talking about it, delays. 
it's kind of the theme, right? Uh, that's, I mean, I guess in, in a one way or another, it's felt like this for a while now. We, we're mm. just sort of used to probably marketing and the people at the top of the company promising delivery dates that the people underneath them can't really manage yeah. to hit. And obviously, the last couple of years have taken their toll and started to catch up on people and companies as well. And there's only so much time you can compress before you can't compress any more yeah. time and you just have to bump a date. Yeah, yeah. And and with, I guess, this kind of almost industry-wide push, it seems, with a few obvious exceptions to avoid crunch, like it seems mm. there has been a real change uh, in the language coming from developers about crunch culture. Um, I have to imagine that given this great resignation that they're talking about, yeah. that it has to be hitting the game development industry as yeah. well. Because at the end of the day, if you don't have the developers there making the game, you don't have a game to sell. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I think we're seeing that now, like another of Activision studios have unionized. Um, so we had Raven. Uh, and now we've got, uh, which the, the studio that used to be Vicarious Visions, which did the Tony Hawk, uh, remaster. Rest in peace. Rest in peace. Tony. Uh, which was so Rest good. Uh, and they were going to make another one, but you know, Activision decided they were better off being a Call of Duty support studio. Um, I, I, okay. So that's a big deal for this year is that Microsoft's buying Activision. I, the one thing I hope, and, and look, I'm not all for consolidation. But I feel like Microsoft is in the best position to fix the shit fight that is Activision. Uh, <laughs> they've, they've got a very good reputation of, uh, of being uh, good for their employees in general, Microsoft. They've actually won awards for employment standards and, and they do a lot of good things. Obviously, they're still a multi-million dollar, billion dollar company, that trillion dollar company that could do more. Uh, but of of that kind of ilk, they seem to be the best of the bunch, and I kind of hope they they get in there and just just wipe out all that toxic shit at the the top of Activision and and give Unfortunately, those. Unfortunately, wiping all of those people out is also giving them a massive payday, which I think is the the it's double edged the... sword of this whole situation. It is it's like it... they're all going to walk out of there with their golden parachutes and a shit eating grin on their face, and yeah. It feels like it's the price that has to be paid to allow those studios. Do you remember Raven used to make genuinely interesting video games? They made things like Singularity. They made uh, Heretic. They made Hexen. They made all these cool first-person shooters. And now they do the multiplayer on Call of Duty. And Yeah. Well, they did the Call of Duty... What did they do? They did the single player for Black Ops, the last Black Ops games. And it was the best single-player co- uh, Call of Duty game I've played in ages. Yeah, They're obviously I, I, talented. Yeah, I guess there must be so much, like, oh, how ironic for a Call of Duty game, but so much political stuff going on yeah. at the top levels of Activision as to who can do what. And obviously we've seen you know them have issues in the past with people deciding to break away you know, yeah. with what happened with Infinity Ward and all of those yeah. things that it's, it must be really like 
interesting for them to decide who gets to do what and then also trying to keep those people in their place so that they don't just decide well if we can do this ourselves why do we need to do it here yeah why do we need to do it well that's it you know respawn broke off and honestly they're possibly the best thing that ea's got at the moment is respawn so yeah. you know <laughs> like Clearly, Vince Pella knew what he was doing. Uh, I'm sure there are plenty of people at Activision. There's no doubt they're a talented, like, branch of developers, especially under Blizzard and Activision. You've got some genuinely good studios there that I think are itching to do new things. I, it would be, I think it would be good of Microsoft to let them do some B and double A games. Yes. It's not like they can't afford it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it's Game Pass content, you know? Yeah. That Those games, they, they have a home on Game Pass. They absolutely have a home on Game Pass. And and it doesn't have to be a multi-billion dollar production every game. No. No, look at, uh, you know, Double Fine. They, they do one big game, then they'll make two or three little games because, I mean, and while that won't necessarily work for everyone, uh, that sort of approach, I think, it's only going to lead to better games because it gives developers a chance to stretch their wings, to try new things, to in, to invent things, to to uh, you know evolve systems. It's all these things instead of just Call of Duty being Call of Duty yeah. <laughs> every year. <laughs> try just, something, you know. New. You know, it, it, it must I guess for some of those developers felt so disheartening to walk in and wipe. Call of Duty 16 off the whiteboard and change it to, to 17. 17 with a question mark. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, especially the support studios that kind of have to do it every year. So they've got Raven mm-hmm. and they had Vicarious Visions and Beanox, I think, was another one. Um, that just all they do is provide support to the main three studios that do Call of Duty games uh, Infinity Ward, uh, I can't remember the other two, Treyarch. And one more. Yeah. But it is, uh, yeah. It must, Sledgehammer? I, Sledgehammer, that's it. Yes, yes. They're the ones that have got a Melbourne office, actually. But, um, yeah, they just feel like that's they're going to benefit, I think, from that, that purchase more than anything. I think they'll get a chance to do something new. And Activision just announced that Call of Duty will be going biannual instead of annual release. I feel uh, like... We've every other company in the world saw that the writing was on the wall for yeah. that a while ago. Yeah, even, of, even Assassin's Creed is like every three years now. So you know, which um, it needs to be because there's that much content in those yeah. games that, you, like it, it doesn't need to only last you a year. But also, people can only stand so much, and especially when your games follow a formula. Yeah, yeah, it's absolutely. really awkward to. Because it's never a year later. It might take a person, you know, a regular person, two or three months to finish that game. And then, what, nine months later, they pick up another game like, oh, this feels really familiar. Yeah, and that's always been the way. And I've always enjoyed the Call of Duty games to a certain extent. They're popcorn gaming, you know. You you blast through the the single-player campaign, play a bit of multiplayer, you get annoyed with the douchebags online and then you don't play it again until the next year. But uh... <laughs> That's enough teabagging for 2022. I'll wait yeah, for I've, I've had my teabag limit. <laughs> so other big stories. Uh, 
obviously another big acquisition was Sony purchasing Bungie. Um, yeah. Which is almost, uh, it's a bit odder for Sony because Sony are notorious for being very closed wall, mm. sort of Apple-esque in the way they approach things that you come into our far fold, you stay in our fold, we don't share. Uh, but they're letting Bungie be Bungie, essentially. Obviously, they'll still have you know, promotion deals with PlayStation and things like that, but they're letting Bungie still be on Xbox, be on PC, be on whatever they want. Uh, it's an interesting move for Sony. It is, because obviously letting them be on marketplaces that aren't their own means that they're instantly giving a 30% cut to their competitors, generally. Yeah. Uh, so I wonder how long that goodwill will last. Um, probably about the same length as Microsoft's goodwill lasted with Bethesda, in that you won't be getting new games in that series. Yeah, yeah. Suck think... that one. Um, so, <laughs> or buy an Xbox, those are your options. Yeah. So, um, uh, like, I feel like it'll probably head in that direction as well. Like, they'll wind it out, you know, with current Destiny stuff. And then when eventually the next Destiny comes along, oh, guess what? It's PlayStation exclusive. Yeah. You had to see this coming, Xbox fans. Because yeah, if yeah. we can't play the next Elder Scrolls game, you don't play the next Destiny game. Yeah. It, it's a very, I think... Uh, it's a little different in the situations uh, just because the way Microsoft does business compared to the way Sony does business. Uh, Microsoft gives, I guess, a lot of options now for people to play without an Xbox, um, yeah. whereas Sony doesn't. Sony yeah. doesn't. <laughs> yeah. So I think that's where it gets a bit harder. Um, you know, you can play Xbox games on the cloud now quite well if you've got, you know, if you've got a wide MBN connection, it works. Um, oh, I, I imagine Destiny would be PC, but be like PC yeah. and PlayStation. Yeah, it won't. They'll 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 do something with Steam. They'll do something with Epic. It, yeah, they'll they'll do something, but it'll just be no. It's PC, not through the Windows yeah. Game Store. No, yeah. it's not through you know Xbox. It's yeah. none of that stuff. And I imagine that's the same way it's going to be for any Microsoft Studio going forward. Yeah. Like. Yes, you can use your other device because guess what? You're paying us a subscription fee to do yeah. that anyway. Yeah, so yeah. we don't really uh, care. But you are not putting this disc on a PlayStation console and running it from there. <laughs> yeah. Well, we might get to the interesting point where uh, using a web browser, because you can do that on Apple now, you can access the Microsoft Store. It would be really interesting if there's not some sort of, oh, no, there's a bug in the firmware that prevents Because yeah. <laughs> <laughs> technically... Uh, it's possible, <laughs> you know, as long as the system's got a web browser built in, yeah. you can log into Game Pass and, and do the cloud gaming thing. It'd be funny if you could do that on a PlayStation. <laughs> why, why won't it take my credit card? <laughs> <laughs> oh, all the odd things. Meanwhile, Nintendo seemingly has had a pretty solid year. Um, yeah, I think they're like quietly achieving because I feel... As always, Nintendo's not trying to do what everybody else is doing. So they're sort of off in their own little corner and there's no one over there running interference or anything. It's just Nintendo yeah. Nintendoing like they always Nintendo. Yeah. And they're just, they're going to keep on keeping on. They're, you know, still selling Switches like there's no tomorrow and those things are still miraculously trying to run games 
you know, a ridiculous <laughs> amount of years after the launch of that console and it's looking longer and longer in the tooth yeah. as we go. It, um, it's clear to me the Switch now is purely for first-party titles and indie games. Like, Yeah, and it, it always kind of was. Like, yeah. the best we ever got was some halfway decent 360 ports. That's not yeah. saying much. No, no, no. Like, like wow, you still this- get those. Like, the, the uh, Red Faction... Gorilla remaster is yeah, pretty good. Bio, you know? Bioshock and all those. Yeah, like, yeah, those things, things. Like things that were, you know, like not not even at the PlayStation 4 level. Like even even when they did some PlayStation 3 stuff on there, like Nino Kuni basically runs like it did on the PS3, but even then not as well. Not as, like it, not as well, it, yeah. You didn't even get the remastered version. It was like, <laughs> nah, it's, it's 30 frames. It's yeah. low res. Like you don't get any of the bells and whistles. So it's not surprising. Obviously the Steam Deck... Exists in a similar space, but does not compete with people who are buying a Switch aren't probably no. bothering with a Steam Deck. So I never understood those arguments really. No, no, and I, Steam Deck's the thing. I'm, I'm being a PC gamer myself. I'm really looking forward to a Steam Deck uh, when it becomes. Which is interesting because, like, I know what sort of PCs you get, Matt, and I feel like a Steam Deck is always going to be disappointing. No, no, me. because you're, you're playing it at a lower <laughs> resolution, so. Yeah. I feel like the best solution for you would be for the Steam Deck to just be streaming it from your PC <laughs> to itself. <laughs> yeah, look, I have, I do have a brand new high-end PC and that's where I do a lot of my gaming, probably most of my gaming. Uh, but the idea of, of taking a lot of... Like, I've got 2,000-odd games on Steam and Epic and all those things, you know, uh, to, to take those games, especially stuff like... <laughs> My massive indie collection that I never give enough time to, and, and things well, like now. Now that you can play them in the bath and on the toilet and commuting and all <laughs> these other places, you can actually shit. catch yeah. up with some of them. Not a yeah, moment's yeah. rest. <laughs> and you know, we could it could do it all on the go. Uh, I can take it with me. I can ignore my parents when I go and visit them. All those wonderful things that come from a portable system with all my PC games on it. We we might get it here. We're apparently the next lot of countries, but uh, uh, us and Japan, I think they they actually stated that they wanted us next. So hopefully, I mean, we're such a small market. Yeah. I don't know. If- people here really realize that but we really are yeah 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 um we get lumped in with japan and new zealand but uh that helps that mm. steam has got a massive woody for uh new zealand at the moment because gabe's actually living there so uh he's looking yeah, at moving well, valve to new zealand its headquarters so oh, that's interesting i imagine that's just purely a cost of living decision as well cost of living great infrastructure new zealand's got really good fiber in a lot of it uh, better than Australia shocked me. Uh, <laughs> Wouldn't be hard. No, I'm no, sure no. There are third world countries that have better. There are 100 percent third world countries that have better in it than Australia. <laughs> um, last acquisition talk we've had for this year. There's been some big ones, and this is the really kind of the biggest oddity of the lot was Embracer Group buying out Square Enix's Western Studios, and well, they no, picked up. I don't know if you've heard this, Matt, but historically they've underperformed. So <laughs> it's probably, I'm sure Square Enix was glad to be rid of those underachieving losers who can't yeah. manage to even meet the sales targets of some weird JRPG <laughs> from the PlayStation 1 that no one's cared about except for Paul James in 25 years. Yeah. <laughs> like, 
I, when this happened, I just had a curiosity. I looked up the sales of the Tomb Raider trilogy, the, the, the rebooted one. 69 million copies. Oh, nice. That's uh, a nice uh, number. I'm sure if we look this up, uh, Live A Live is probably at 70 million right now. So... <laughs> Again, like, I like I know it's it's sort of like a joke at the moment, but like it's so fucking honest how shit Square Enix treated their Western studios uh, just based on those like like what are the sales targets for your shitty remake JRPG Square Enix? Because mm. I I would I would laugh if those crack even a million most of them. Oh, absolutely! I would back Tomb Raider and Lara Croft and Deus Ex over ninety percent of the Square Enix Japanese stuff that they release. Like they have Final Fantasy, don't get me wrong. That is a license to print a shitload of money. But what else do they have? Like is it though? Well like what what were the sales on Final Fantasy fifteen? I think they were pretty good. But I don't think they were Tomb Raider level. No. No, no. They Tomb Raider certainly has a wider appeal than Oh yeah. Final Fantasy. Yeah. Uh, and, and those Tomb Raider games were good. Like, even the worst of them, Shadow of the Tomb Raider, which was the worst of the three, it was still a good game. It just wasn't as good as the other two. No. Um, like, obviously, the jump from the first to Rise was pretty significant. Yeah. And then Shadow was sort of like a like a misstep sideways. Yeah, that's... I mean, but it was still a solid game. And, and like, the Guardians of the Galaxy game was fantastic. Uh, Deus Ex is one of my favourite series of all time. Um, I mean, it's it's probably a good thing because it, it, it has felt for a while that Square Enix really didn't necessarily know what to do with those studios. And after the whole Avengers debacle... Yeah. Um, it's... Which was clearly the wrong game at the wrong studio. At the wrong time, like they yeah. they missed the mark. So like all the buzz had died down, mm-hmm. and by the time it did come out, it was too little, too late. Uh, and obviously, I I guess just whatever targets I like, I don't know. I don't know what they're basing their sales targets off. Like yeah. whether they look at the budget for Tomb Raider and say, hmm, this is extremely high compared to what we would expect to spend on a on a game developed by us internally. Yeah. So yeah. this what you need to sell to make our corporate overlords happy. Mm. It's, 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 it's an odd one, but I think it's kind of fun. I, I like the fact that now that uh, we might get a legacy of Kane game, we might get that next Deus Ex game because there's freedom. They're not listening to their Square Enix overlords and Embracer Group have a very good reputation for letting studios be themselves. Um, they've got a, quite a lot of infrastructure under it. For those that don't know, Embracer Group owns uh, Coke Media. They own Private Division. They own uh, like three or four other kind of publishing houses. Hmm. Uh, Deep Silver is another one they own. Um, so, and they kind of let them be. It, it started out by a, a, a venture capitalist, obviously, who had a love for computer games and wanted to give you know, THQ Nordic and all those people a chance to, to keep going and, and that's that's how they came about. So they've got a reputation of letting studios uh, do their thing. Um, so all of a sudden with the addition of, I guess, IDOS Montreal and Crystal Dynamics, they're now not no longer a double A group 
they've got serious triple no. A power behind them. Like previously, you could probably argue that Volition, the Do Saints Row, were probably the only triple A ish developer they had. But now with Square uh, with uh, Square Enix's catalog, uh, they're a serious contender. You know, they suddenly jump into almost Ubisoft territory. Not that yeah, big, obviously, but they're they're up there. Because they did, they took all the IP with that deal as well, didn't they? Yes. So they took yeah, Legacy so of Kane. They took um, Deus Ex. They took Tomb Raider. Yeah. yeah. Well, you would just be doing those. Like it would. It's kind of a no-brainer. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Whack out. Whack out some HD PS5, Xbox Series X collections and yeah. drop some interest for the next entry. Well, in the I, I'd imagine a, a remake of. Legacy Kane Soul Reaver would be awesome. Um, like those games are great, but they're obviously very old now. They're PS One, Two era games. Um, that's a, that's an easy project there, I guess. Uh, there's a lot of love for it. Maybe bring up the. It shouldn't be too much in the way of cost. Uh, finish yeah. Mankind Divided. Yes, like- finish this, <laughs> the very clear second part of a trilogy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Because that game was so good up until that ending, which I kind of went, well, fuck, nothing happened then. (laughs) Mm. But yeah, that's, uh, again, that could pay off. But all of these feel like things that are not paying off as early as we perhaps hoped. All of Microsoft's acquisitions, that feels like in 2025 or 2026, we might have something. I think actually next year is going to be packed. Like it's going to be packed to the hilt next year. I think to the point where in the back end of the year, games are probably going to move to avoid how Mm. packed it is. Not because of a need to delay, but just to avoid the congestion. You don't want to be up against something that's going to eat your lunch, basically. Exactly. Like you don't want to be that Titanfall battlefield situation that. No. That was that was the <laughs> EA putting an EA game against an EA game. Like, yeah, <laughs> ridiculous. But funny stuff. Yeah, twenty twenty two so far has felt underwhelming um, yeah. on the whole. I think, and I think the reasons why are fairly obvious. But it doesn't mean that it's not slightly disappointing. Disappointing. But I think it's like I'm also okay with it. Yeah, I feel like we're so exhausted of everything else that's happened in the past few years that it is kind of nice, I guess, for a lot of people to not have to be thinking about every two or three weeks what a new game, new game yeah. they need to be on to. Have to be in the zeitgeist, you know. Mm. It's it is. There's, there's no quiet periods anymore. It used to be that you get a few months every year, and now it just feels like the generally it's so tight that you've always got something yeah something always coming and Mm. you kind of especially in the position that we are we kind of feel like the need to be at least on top of things um uh, especially the big releases it's you know kind of part and parcel at at this point with with how we do things but uh it has been nice honestly i've been going back and replaying things like i said i'm replaying far cry 6 um I've been diving back into some old games now that I've got a new PC to see how they they look on the new PC. So <laughs> <laughs> test those benchmark scores. <laughs> but it's Finally, been nice. It's I, yeah, I've had yeah. a chance to do it, you know. It's amazing I what I, 
I guess one interesting thing that stood out is Xenoblade 3 being brought forward. Yeah. It's such a rare occurrence. <laughs> Isn't and, it? Like, I, well, when was the last time you heard of a game's release date being brought forward? Oh, we're actually going to bring it forward a bit. Enjoy. You, you see that in movies quite often uh, when, you know, they'll cut, be, they realize their release date's on the same day as, like, James Bond or a Marvel movie or something. Yeah. So they'll move it, but you don't see it in video games ever because I think developers are working to that day of release to, to get everything right. And it, and it like, even looking at those dates, it was, it was, it was just like, why? Like, I yeah. don't think they were against anything. Is it just that Nintendo maybe feel like, oh, we should just get this out and get it done now because maybe they've got something else they want to promote or maybe, you know, part of their grand plan that they need to start pushing something you know, a bit later in the year. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, it's odd. I think Nintendo, you know, thinking about what Nintendo like to do is always uh, a challenge in itself. <laughs> but uh, I think they must have thought it was going to interrupt, like, is there public holidays or something on that weekend when, or, oh you know, it's, it's a very weird sort of situation. Um, for the rest of the year... We've got some games coming out that we're uh, that we're looking forward to. Um, mm-hmm. lots October of, lots of October seems very packed, uh, yeah. especially scraps scraps over codes in the player two. There will be uh, um, request. Well, actually, I'm, I'm looking at the release schedule now, and it is pretty heavy for September October, and then it dies off very quickly. Um, mm. But I just wanted to briefly, to finish this off, we want to talk about things that are coming up that we're looking forward to. Um, so what would you say uh, is, is your most anticipated couple of games coming up? Um, the few off the top of my head are obviously um, God of War Ragnarok. The yep. 2018 God of War was the last game um, outside of The Last of Us Part Two that I finished in the EB return window. Uh, that's a very rare occurrence for me and I assume a lot of people so to be able to finish what was a roughly 35 to 40 hour game in under seven days is whilst having at least one small child at that point is probably a testament to um how much I was putting into that game that week so I'm very much looking forward to Ragnarok and um obviously with The Last of Us Part 2 being the only other game you know, a 25-hour game that I finished in the space of three days. Um, I'm looking forward to replaying The Last of Us Part 1, but based on recent news, I'm not overly expecting anything apart from... Pretty aggressive. A a questionable graphics improvement. Yes. Because I think the issue is that they are tinkering with the art style in some areas and not just the fidelity. So that could be a mixed bag for me as well. I'm actually going to wait for that one for the PC release. I think mm. I, I, I'd like. To, I've got this kind of fascination with Sony's footsteps into the PC world and and how they how they've done so far from a kind of nerdy technical perspective. So I'll probably wait until the PC release of that one. Yeah, that's a fair call. Um, September, it's The Last of Us. Like we know what the game is. You yeah, know, it's, it's it's a fantastic like- game. Probably doesn't need to be remade, but that doesn't change the fact that it's a fantastic game. Um, and I possibly have more interest in replaying the first one than the second one, I think. Um, I, 
and I know this is something you said before and I said the same thing. Yeah. I think when we first talked about our impressions of it afterwards and you having done the review, obviously, mm. I think we both expressed that as a game I never want to play again. Yeah. Um, but I, I did go back and play it again on the PS5 in 60 frames per second, which yeah. um, does help. But I really do think that given some of the things they do in there with the story, it was a rewarding experience to have that knowledge of where it goes and see that foreshadowing and other things yeah. at the start of it. So I think if you do um, hit up the part one on PC, then I segue into part two and see how see, you yeah. feel. Because it was it was pretty, yeah, pretty brutal. Yeah, it, and uh, yeah, it, it was very uncomfortable at points too. There seems to, uh, in September for me, there's a couple of like kind of littler ones uh, that are kind of sneaking in there. Um, Metal Hellsinger, I am mm-hmm. super interested in that. There's kind of this, you know, indie or B tier sort of release. So Metal Hellsinger is the first person shooter that is uh, music, it's rhythm based, uh, and they got a whole uh, uh, collection of heavy metal singers, including people like Serge Trakin from System of a Down, uh, to sing songs uh, for this and and you do it in time and get it's like a score chasing first person shooter it, the demo is fantastic um, you, you say uh, you say rhythm and obviously you generally grab my attention so yeah. that is something I'll probably have to look into at the very least well the demo is available now and it's honestly addictive as crack like it's a score chaser the, the music ramps up as your combos improve so as you get to eventually if you get to an eight times combo the singing starts and the heavy metal really kicks in so it's all they build it around this this group of amazing heavy metal musicians and it looks awesome and the other one in september uh that i'm looking at is evil west uh flying wild hog do my sort of popcorn gaming almost better than anyone they did the shadow warrior series they did hard reset uh, they did oh, Trek to Yomi. Reset is good. Um, and this is their new one, which is kind of this. Uh, it reminds me of an old game called. Uh, it was called Dark Stalkers, I believe, on the PS2 Xbox. It was an old West. Not No, Dark Stalkers was a fighting game. So there was this old West game, Dark Watch, maybe. And it had vampires in it. And uh, you're kind of the mix of the old West and the supernatural was a really cool kind of Jonah Hex style thing going on. And and this game reminds me of that. And it looks like a lot of fun, you know, almost a popcorn third-person action shooter. You don't see much of them, linear experience. But, uh, you know, the type of game you, you used to hire from Video Easy and have an yeah. absolute blast for, for, you know, a weekend and then forget about it. And I think... Oh, yeah that's the sort of game it'll be. And I, I really look forward to that sort of experience these days. Not everything has to be deep and meaningful. <laughs> no. Um, nothing for Lord of the Rings Golem. I mean, I know that's been kicking around for a while, but... I have no hope that being good at all. <laughs> <laughs> to, me, to me, these days, the, the red flag is the PlayStation 4, Xbox One mm-hmm. um, tag on a lot of games that it's... It's been going that long. And I mean, for indies, it's somewhat forgivable um, yeah. because obviously you need to spread yourself as far and wide as you can. But for something that's ostensibly a AAA game um, at this late stage, 
uh, still being on those platforms. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, I, it, look, it could be a surprise. It wouldn't be the first time we've had a game like that come out and people say it's actually good. Yeah. But yeah, it, that'll be interesting. Um, the Biomutant update, I will check out because I, I bought that for dirt cheap and I never got around to checking it out. So yeah, the, fact the update that will be good. That, that game will do well with it with a um, you know, a bit of extra juice behind it. Because uh, it did seem like performance was a key issue for a lot of um, coverage that I saw. So if that's yeah. uh, sort of swept under the rug, um, obviously I'm a huge um, sucker for the Legend of Heroes series. So the fact that Trails from Zero is finally getting an official localization, um, I'll see if I can grab that on the Switch because those games obviously sing on a handheld platform. Um, I don't know why anyone parks their ass in front of a console to play JRPGs anymore. <laughs> Except if it's Final Fantasy, you know. Oh, yeah. I I mean, it's these more old school style um, ones. Uh, October, you said you're looking for Midnight Suns? Midnight Suns, absolutely. Uh, Mario Rabbids, which I imagine will be just as good as the first one. Now, I know there's another one here that you are going to be all over. Oh, Plague yeah. Tale Requiem. The Plague Tale, yeah. I was, I was, that's probably my most anticipated game after Saints Row for the rest of the year. Uh, I adored A Plague Tale. Uh, I think it is seriously, it was one of the biggest surprises in games. I, you know, looked at it. I thought it was going to be just a bit of Euro jank kind of. <laughs> adventure game you know some euro jank you know and that's fine but it wasn't it was it was way more than that it was a great story it was a game that that really did the mix of adventuring well like a lot of games say they're action adventure games but they're just action games with a tiny little bit of adventure this was more than that it was a properly good story uh you know with bits of a cult and, and all this sort of stuff thrown in and, and some really interesting mechanics in the use of light and using rats as weapons. Like that is so disturbing that, you know, one of the weapons you had was a slingshot that threw little like kind of water bombs at guards torches. And so if you blew out the torch, the rats would swarm the guard and just like eat him alive. That sort of shit. It's like the rat power in Dishonored. Yeah, <laughs> it's super cool. Um, uh, so I'm really keen to see where that goes. I'm not. If they'd after finishing the first game and they'd said they were making a sequel, I kind of thought, oh well, you know, where does this go uh, from the end? So uh, hopefully the story plays out. But I, I'm really keen to see that. What about you? Um, no. Uh, yeah, I mean, October is a little bit more bare for me. Um, yeah. I, I will check out Midnight Suns because I, I have um, been interested in uh, some of those uh, other sort of superhero-inspired um, turn-based sort of the, you know, the Firaxis XCOM sort of stuff. Yeah. So, because what was the one that came? What was the one they put out on Mar- Ultimate Marvel Alliance? Yes, that was a four-player brawler, yeah. Yeah. Um, so it is something that I'm interested in checking out. Um, I'm, I don't know about Gotham Knights. Some of the preview stuff we've seen looked pretty rough. So it, yeah. it's one that could go either way for me. And then there's Bayonetta to finish of the month, which... Oh, yeah. like we, It'll be Bayonetta. Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, if you want to buy Persona 5 for the third time, because... <laughs> 
They no, we'll see. Persona Five's coming to Game Pass. Oh, oh well, there we go. There, you know, yeah, excellent. So. If you if you want to play a game that's three times as long as it needs to be, um, have at it. Uh, <laughs> and also, um, PlayStation owners, if you would like to uh, play it at a higher frame rate, buy it again. Is the official message yeah. from Atlas, which, if you're a fan of Atlas, should come as no shock to you. So, um, you're, yeah, you're lucky you're not paying um, for. Uh, the game and then some extra download with a bikini that you know gives what you the seems so a little disappointing <laughs> about this year is there is no uh, Yakuza or Judgment game. It, do, it really doesn't surprise me though because Sega went so hard. Like, yeah, you can't you can't deny that when it rained it poured and <laughs> we had it so good in such a short period of time we did. that now we have to deal with the drought yeah yeah like i, I actually thought I we would see we got a second judgment game when we did like that was incredible yeah like i did yeah. not see that coming uh i i actually thought at e3 we might have seen uh yakuza 8 um or whatever well, it ends at e but they still never redid Dead Souls, so I guess they could pull that out. But I don't feel no. What they need to do, they've got the like the the, the period samurai one yes. that they haven't released yet. They, why don't they give us those? The like, Kiwami treatment they, on those. Yeah, because yeah. remember, like even with some of the early games, they're like, oh, they're too Japanese. You know, there's too many, uh, you know, uh, culturally specific elements in Yakuza Three. We need no, you just. Just, I think by now they've realised that no, we get it. Like that's cool. Yeah. I don't really care. Just give me more yakuza. And if I'm cute, you running around with a samurai sword, that's even better. So yeah. that yeah. that could be something that Sega do because I know that that's something that fans have been clamouring for for a while. And it's a good way for them to buy themselves a few more years to get yakuza eight or whatever. Well, yakuza eight's well in development. There was a leak. Uh, an MMA fighter actually went on oh, a tour. Okay. Uh, of uh, of the studio and took some photos and yeah. Um, if you zoom in on the background, you can see this. No, he actually took photos off screen oh. of of them and oh it's all been God. released. Yeah, yeah. So what's it? I've, I've forgotten his name now. Um, no, Yagami. Um, uh, the main guy from Seven. Um, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah I can't his remember name. his name. Yeah, I like forgot the actor. The, no, no, the actual the character in the game. Uh, oh, yeah. Not Kiru, but obviously his replacement. Uh, he hasn't yeah. got a fro anymore. It's kind of all tied back. The hair's all tied back and slicked back. And, and uh, yeah, and there's the, the homeless guys there and all that sort of stuff. So, um, yeah. They're, they're well into it. I'm assuming we'll hear. We might even hear for, about it at Gamescom, uh, which is next month. Yeah, that'd be good. But, yeah, again, like if they can give us those last few that we've been missing, um, I that will make up for the wait for the next Yakuza yeah. proper. Or, or Judgment Game, <laughs> whichever they decide to go with. Um, uh, I am interested in the Resident Evil uh, Village expansion that's yeah. going to be adding third person to it. That will be uh, something to check out. I am not, however, I'm, interested in the multiplayer thing for Resident no. Evil because I I'm reviewed <laughs> the last... Resident Evil multiplayer experience, and let me tell you, it was fucking terrible. <laughs> is that is that one for Sadistic Santa this year? Maybe. Oh, that was no. It'll be too expensive for Sadistic Santa. <laughs> <laughs> Not only is he mean, he's tight. Yeah, um, absolutely. <laughs> but again, like I, I've I maintained across seven, and that 
eight that I'm a coward and I find the first person's perspective a little too much. So yep. um, I'll be happy to check out how those play in the third person. Well, speaking of scary, I'm going to skip ahead because November's pretty quiet. And we've got, you know, Skull and Bones and we've got God of War and then there's nothing else. Um, yeah. I, oh, I could play East 8 again. Um, for anybody who hasn't played any of the East games, East 8 is my favorite in the whole series and it's a great little um, action RPG. Um, so if you've not played that one before, uh, actually check it out because it's pretty fun if you want to smush buttons and kill enemies. And I'm kind of interested in Company of Heroes 3 because of my old PC RTS roots, but it's it's not oh, going to be yes. a big, big one. Uh, but December, we're going to get scary because the Callisto Protocol is out. Is the, who is that coming from? It's is it? It's from Glenn Schofield, the guy that created Dead Space. Dead Space, yeah. yeah. I, know, I was like, it's the Dead Space guy, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. And I, I've been replaying Dead Space two actually. Um, See, I never played two or three, and I feel like it's a significant gap that I should go and check out. Are those two, on Game Pass? Uh, yes, they are. If you've got Game oh, Pass okay. Ultimate, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Because they're part of the EA selection oh nice yeah, uh, but I've been it playing it on PC the Dead, Dead Space 2 you can skip 3 it's pretty yeah nah it's fine it's just not 2 or 1 um, yeah a bit like Shadow of the Tomb Raider you know and you don't yeah it, it, it's fine it's just not great yeah. but 2 is awesome you need it yeah, yeah. so uh, it. yeah I might have to check 2 out then because I really enjoyed the first game when it came out um, yeah. and I guess for whatever reason I never got around to playing 2 Two's a little bit more action-oriented than, than the first one, uh, but it does a lot of cool things to, to make up for the tension that you might lose when it mm. goes action. But, yeah, it, and so I'm very keen to see where the Callisto Protocol goes. Like, looking at the, the footage, it looks a hell of a lot like Dead Space, uh, yeah, which, <laughs> which, is, is, which is fine by me. Because we've been, it's been a long time between drinks, you know, so... Um, yeah, that... That game was what, like 2006 or something? Well, like yeah, three was a 360 PS3 game, so it's yeah. been a while. Uh, they still hold up very well, though. Uh, oh, yeah. So, well worth checking out if you get a cheap copy on Steam or, or you've got Game Pass. Uh, but, yeah, that's about it for the year, I think. Um, they're the big ones. Uh, there's nothing really else striking me. I mean, God of War is the, the biggest release for the rest of the year, and that's probably goes without saying. Yeah, um, I will. I will check out Dragon Quest Treasures because it's got Dragon Quest in the title. So of course I'll <laughs> check it out. I know my kids will check out Hello Neighbor, but that's about it. Um, yeah. yeah. So that's it for I guess 2022 so far and what's coming. Uh, it's it's been an odd year. There's been so many delays. Like it feels like every week we get another delay. Um, I think that's finally the result of COVID really hitting home. Uh, it's it's really smashed these studios, especially the titles that were kind of just in kind of early days when COVID hit originally. Uh, they're the ones that are really being pushed out. Uh, but I think 2023 as a result is going to be fairly crammed with uh, games. Yeah. <laughs> so you get a quiet year to get a, a really busy year, I guess is where it's going to end up. Peaks and valleys. Peaks and valleys. But it has been nice to go back and play some old games that I otherwise wouldn't have a chance to do. Not this forbidden list. 
It is. <laughs> <laughs> All right, then. Well, that's the end of another episode of the uh, Pixelcast. It's been episode 89. We're uh, getting close to 100. Uh, it's actually getting closer to 400 and something episodes of the Pixelcast in general over the Whoa. three different owners. Uh, so, yeah, a lot of episodes of Tim, Ken, and myself talking shit with a lot of guests along the way. Uh, Stephen, where can we find you? What have you been doing? You got anything coming up? Uh, a, a few things that are still slowly bubbling away between work and sick children. Um, but always, if I'm going to be anywhere, it's going to be on play2.net.au, Gorath44000 on Twitter. And uh, if you want to see some board game uh, stuff infrequently, it's no shelf control on Twitter as well. Awesome. And you can find me at Huso81 or Player2AU on Twitter. Uh, I have uh, a As Dusk Falls review uh, up last week and uh, MX versus ATV review up last week. Just don't bother. It's a shit game. Don't worry about it. It really scarred me. It hurt so bad. Um, and I'll have a multiverses uh, piece up later this week uh, so make sure you head over to player 2 to check those out uh, thank you for joining us for this episode of the Pixelcast and we'll catch you in a couple of weeks time with Tim back in the chair and, uh, and we look forward to chatting with you then catch you then bye yeah PAX is going to be interesting this year yeah I was talking to Doug about that